Amen. Brilliant. I didn't introduce myself. My name is Sam, um, in case anyone doesn't know me. Um, I have the privilege and joy of being the children and youth pastor here at Gateway. And we are coming to the end of our series in John. Okay, so we've got another, another talk after this. Next week is our last week in the series of John. And we've been going through John, not kind of chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We've been going through looking at themes that appear in the Gospel of John. We've been looking at kind of questions, questions that we would maybe ask or questions that kind of get asked of us through the Gospel of John. And so this morning we are looking at power. That is one of the, that is the, the, the theme. I'll get to our question in a minute. Um, but the, the topic of power. And the idea of power, the, the use of it, the abuse of it, I think has become more and more prevalent, more and more kind of controversial over the past kind of 50 years or so. And it's, it's interesting to see how generations, people from different generations, interact with one another on this as well. Because it's often the case that different generations have different views of power and what power is for and how power should be used. I remember having a disagreement with someone um, in a restaurant um, who was kind of uh, quite a lot older than me. Um, and he was talking about the integrity of politicians. Um, and I was talking about the lack of integrity of politicians. Um, and actually, it was, it was a really interesting, just, I think our, our generations just viewed power and the way power worked very, very differently. Um, and people kind of in, in younger generations than me view it even more differently. Um, and some conversations about it is, is very interesting in our youth groups. And these, these different views on power have sparked everything from kind of debates to protests to family feuds um, to even riots. And, and the use and abuse of power, the way power should be used, the way power interacts with our society is, is it's in so many different parts of, of our society. And, and you see this in events, right? So, for instance, when there was the, the, the murder of George Floyd and then the Black Lives Matter process that happened as a result of that, that was massively about racial injustice. That was about police brutality. But it was also about the abuse of power. And it was about how power should be used in society, how power should affect and impact people. And so power has this, the way that power works in our society has this impact on us that, that feeds into so much of how we live. And what's interesting is as society has become more and more secular, as we've moved more and more away from a kind of Christian view of the world, so the vast majority of, of society, the vast majority of the government and the way government functions is secular, is away from having God as the authority, the more and more people look to power, people in positions of power, institutions, and even celebrities, to answer the problems of the world. They look to these people in positions of power to give them hope. And you see this in, in just this almost like disengagement and disenfranchisement with kind of younger generations, with politics, because you look at them and you go, this is my only hope, this is my only way of changing things, and it's not working. And yet we also know that if we got away with all power and there was no one in any form of government or governance, it would be absolute anarchy, right? And you see, and you see that, right? You see that in places like, like in Haiti and things like that. Like when, when you get rid of these established positions of power, it is just anarchy and it's chaos. So without power, there's anarchy. Power can corrupt and can't answer the questions and the hopes that we have and so the question that we're going to be looking at this morning is then, how then does power work? 
Like, what's the point of it? Like, why do we have power? Why is the power um, established in our world? And what does God have to say about those things? And in order for us to do that, we're going to look at John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38 this morning. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to that, John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38. If you don't have a Bible, either a physical one or on your phone, it will go up on the screen. So don't worry too much about it. Okay. John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38 says this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, Aha, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And so the way that, like, the way that I imagine this in my, in my head as I, was, as I was thinking about this and preparing for this this morning was, there was this, there's this contrast right, between the way that the world views power, between the people who don't have God as their authority, God as, um, as their kind of symbol, the thing they look to for power, and then there's the power that Jesus brings. And the, the way, the analogy that I, I thought of, of, of what power looks like, um, is, is from Crocodile Dundee. Um, if you're under 25, this analogy is going to completely miss you. Um, so Crocodile Dundee, for those of you who have not watched it, is this film about this guy who lives in the outback in Australia and kills and skins crocodiles and then there's this somehow there becomes this love interest and he then ends up going to New York with this American girl Um, and they're walking down the street in New York and obviously he's got his big Aussie hat on and his like crocodile skin vest and he's walking down the street with this girl and they get stopped by a mugger and the mugger pulls out a switchblade and says give me your money and kind of the, the, the lady that Crocodile Dundee is with says, go on, give him your money. And he's like, why? And he's like, because he's got a knife. And he kind of smirks, and I apologise for my accent. And he reaches out and he goes, that's not a knife. This is a knife, this massive hunting knife. Um, and so the way that power works in the world is like that, though, right? Like, who's got the bigger knife? Right? Who's got the most or who's got more authority? Who's got more influence? Who's got more positional influence over situations and circumstances? Who's bigger? Who's stronger? Who's louder? Right? Who's, whose background enables them to reach places that other people from other backgrounds don't? Right? It's this, who's got the bigger knife? But what Jesus does is when Jesus explains what power is in John chapter 18, he takes that and he turns it 180 degrees and completely flips it on its head. And the way that he displays power is this ridiculous irony where you've got the God of the universe who made all things, who was sustaining everything, who was sustaining the breath in Pilate's lungs, who makes mountains and whales and incredible feats that we can't even imagine, and Pilate goes, are you a king? But there's the the irony of that situation, of the God of the universe being there. And Jesus' answer, his response to that is is the summary of biblical power. 
He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Or that can be translated from this world. Jesus' kingdom is not about grabbing power. It's not about pushing others down in order to gain authority. It's not about abusing things or lying or pushing people aside, telling half-truths in order to get where they want. That's not what Jesus' power is about. It's not of this world. It's not from this world. It doesn't lead to war or anger or brutality. Jesus' power is not of this world or from this world, but it is for this world. It's the way this world was supposed to work. It's the way this world was supposed to function. It was the way that we were supposed to live under that kind of power. And the way that Jesus' power works, the way that the power of God works, is through self-giving love, self-sacrifice, and devotion to others. Through self-giving love, self-sacrifice, and devotion to others. And we see this in the Gospels, in Jesus' just absolute heart for the downtrodden, the broken, the neglected, the ostracised, the people that no one else looks at. Jesus takes those people in and shows them what life is. And he shows them what truth is. And he reveals himself to people who have been neglected by the power structures with the bigger knife, right? With the more authority, with the more influence. And the ultimate display of Jesus' power is on the cross. Because on the cross, this self-giving love, this self-sacrifice, this devotion to others is shown to be the most powerful thing in the world. Because at that point on the cross, the power of Jesus, not grabbing authority, not taking things, not pushing others down, but giving of himself in love, defeats the three things that no earthly power or kingdom could get close to. Jesus defeats death. Jesus defeats Satan. And Jesus defeats the power of sin. No earthly power gets close to that. No science, no money, no army, nothing gets close to that. And on the cross, Jesus' power is displayed for all to see. And when he's risen again from the dead, when he's resurrected, that power is vindicated by God as the only power that has any authority. And we see this demonstrated again and again as his disciples go out. And perhaps the best description of of this power comes from an interaction between James and John, who are the disciples, their mum and Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. And it's a hilarious story. Um, It's really, the Gospels are funny. And often the way that Jesus interacts with people is funny. And we don't always see this. And so you get this story where James and John come to Jesus with their mum as spokesperson. And mum comes along and says, Jesus, I know you're the Messiah. And in, and in their minds, they're probably thinking that Jesus is a Messiah like David, right? He's a king like David. And like, so they're like, right, so at some point, Jesus is going to get a sword and he's going to lead an army and the Romans are going to get pushed out and then he's going to be king, ruling Israel. And then because of that, he's got to have some, he's got to have some people, right? He's got to have some form of government. He's got to have some people. And so he said, Jesus, when all that happens... Can these two sons of mine be on your right and your left? And rightly so, when the other disciples found out about this, they're a little bit miffed. Um, And you'd imagine Peter is as well, because like Peter, James and John were tight, and like they were like Jesus' close friends, and so he gets left out, and James and John are uh, going to be the right and the left. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. You don't get it. You have missed the point entirely. Because when... The kingdom of God, my kingdom, my power. If you want to be great in my kingdom, 
You've got to serve everyone. You want to be the greatest, you've got to be like a slave, like a bond servant. You've got to be completely devoted constantly to other people. You want to be the greatest in my kingdom, then you've got to do everything for everyone else. That's what greatness looks like. And he finishes with, with this verse. He says, because the Son of Man, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of the world, did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That it wasn't about gaining power or gaining authority or having the seat. It was about serving others, giving of yourself to others. And perhaps the most incredible thing about the story of Jesus is then he then gives that power to us. He gives that authority to us. We get that power through the Holy Spirit. We're filled and we're sent out to show his self-giving love, his self-sacrifice, his devotion to other people. And I wanted to pause kind of at that point because I just want to address those of us in the room that are maybe a little bit cynical about this. That the idea that, that give, being devoted to others and, and having self-sacrifice and, and loving people like that can have an impact. And the reason why I want to address that is because as I was writing this message, I felt cynicism in my heart, kind of just going, but really? Like, really? Can it really have an impact? Um, and I felt God graciously remind me of a couple of things that I just want to share with you. And, and the first one is, actually, because our society is based on, like, Judeo-Christian roots, our society already celebrates this, right? So we, we saw this over lockdown where we had kind of the whole clap, clap for the carers, right? The whole idea that the people we were celebrating weren't the people in government. We weren't celebrating the people in power. We were celebrating the people that were serving us at a really difficult time. We see this in things like, you know, the Pride of Britain Awards, where all these people get recognised for service and for loving other people. You see it in cheesy programmes like DIY SOS or Extreme Home Makeover or Undercover Boss um, on the telly, where you see people being recognised and, and established um, for, for who, who they are, for what they're doing. Yeah? And so we already see this. But the other thing is, this, this power... The power of self-giving love, the power of devotion to others has already changed the world. It's already changed the world. And the reason why it's already changed the world is because none of us are speaking Latin. Anyone, can, can anyone speak Latin? No. So, like, we're not, none of us are speaking Latin. None of us are dressing in togas. The Roman Empire was the most powerful empire in the world. It was the test, like, it is the example, the model of big knife power, right? It had armies, and it had technology, and it had institutions, and it had everything going for it. You don't take on the Roman Empire, you get rolled over by the Roman Empire. And so while the Roman Empire is busy fighting battles and establishing cities and building aqueducts and building all that sort of stuff and coliseums and, and killing people and gladiator rings and all this sort of stuff. The church of Jesus that started with 12 people in Jerusalem and then kind of some people around them was just busy loving people. They were busy building orphanages, building hospitals, making schools, sharing with one another, loving the poor, sharing communion, 
just sharing this power, this love of Jesus. And what happened is over time, that power went out throughout the Roman Empire and completely undermined it. Completely undermined it to the point where the, now you, you can go and see Rome and you can go and see what's left of the Roman Empire. It's crumbling blocks. But what is, what's going on with, with the Church of Jesus is that there's, there's two billion people and counting who would say they're followers of Jesus at the moment. And it's changed societies. The West is based upon Christian values. You can't get out of it or away from it, despite people trying to. This power has already changed the world. And by the grace of God, it's going to continue to do so. So this is how power works. This is how real power, kingdom power, God's power works. Then the question has to be, what does that look like for you and me? Like we're not in the Roman Empire, we're at a different point. Okay, so what does that look like for you and for me? And we just need to acknowledge that this is a challenge for all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you are male or female, married or single, kids, no kids, introverted, extroverted, you name it. It doesn't matter how you are. It doesn't matter who you are. This is a challenge on all of us. And it's a challenge on all of us because it is not the way that we are used to seeing power. It's not the way that we, are, we see power around us. And so to change this mindset is really hard. To think of how you're going to exercise power and authority in a completely different way is really hard. And if I'm going to be really honest and really vulnerable this morning... I really struggle with this as just part of me being part of this environment. Because for me, I really struggle to see how if I'm not on this place, this stage regularly, how I'm having any influence or impact. Like, I really struggle with this. I'm just being really honest this morning. That, that if I'm not, if I've genuinely struggled with the idea that if I'm not here, if I've not got a voice, if I've not got people's ears, if people aren't seeing me in a certain way, that I don't have that influence on people. I don't have an influence on people. Yeah? That I feel like I don't have the power that I otherwise could have, which is complete garbage. It's wrong. Right? And I know, and I know that, but it's still really hard. It's really hard to, to change the mindset of going, no, I just, God, you just call me to love people. And children and young people being our next generation and the hope of, the hope of this generation as well. It's massive, and that's exactly where I want to be. But do you, do you know what I mean? Like we, we struggle with this, right? Like this, this is a thing. It's a struggle that we have. And the other thing that we also just, just need to be aware of is that the church has not always done good on this. Like we have not always displayed the power of God in the way that God has intended. Like there have been abuses of power left, right, and center over the centuries in the church. And actually, we just need to own that and acknowledge that the institution of the church is not, is not, not prone to us viewing power in a bad way. And it's not, not prone to, to people trying to grab power in a way that the world says that power is. And we need to hold each other accountable to not trying to operate in that kind of power, but instead in the power that God has given us. But the good news is that most of us are probably sitting in this room because we have actually experienced someone showing us the self-giving love of Jesus. Like, the good, like, most of us have seen this in some way, shape, or form. The reason why 
we're either Christians or wanting to come to church and ask questions about how this works is because we've already, probably already experienced it through people, right? So that could be, that could be anyone. Like for me, that was my mum. Like she was hands down the biggest witness to me for Jesus. I know, for, I know Lecky, you spoke about like one of your school teachers was a huge, huge witness and presence for you. And so there's people in our lives that have shown this to us. And this, so we, we, we can start to grasp what this might look like. But what we often do is we then, we, we give away the role that this has to play to people on, on this place. And we say, no, that this, this power is for people with this stage. This power is for people with a microphone. This power is for people that have got something that I don't have. And it's just not true. It's just not true. And we can all live out of this power. And, you know, there's a thousand ways and a thousand examples. You know, and people in this community are already doing this. You know, there's incredible things that our, our community does in both its groups. So stuff like, the, you know, the baby and toddler group, which at the moment is absolutely booming, is actually just so good at supporting, like, women and families who are sometimes really lonely and sometimes really struggling. And big plug for Becca and the team. They're really short on team, and it's maybe one of the most awesome things we do. So if you have time on a Thursday morning, please consider giving time to that, because it is one of the most amazing witnesses we have. You know, we see this in, in, in things like the Give a Gift project, which I've already spoken a load about. But, you know, there have been people who have given so much to this project. You know, people who, who you know, I've been talking about, and their partners are talking about coming home from work, and they're being like 10 Amazon boxes on the doorstep because they've just given themselves over to this and just sacrificially just giving this money away. You know, you, but you also see this in individuals who are, who are like meeting the needs of their neighbours, who are taking people into their homes, who are, who are giving things up. Right? Ultimately, that's the biggest challenge on us when it comes to showing this kind of love, is giving up our own comfort for the sake of other people. Because we're, we're in a society that worships comfort. Like, we want to be comfortable. We don't want to be made to feel awkward. We don't want to be made to feel like we're not safe. We don't want to made to be feel like we've not got enough money in the bank. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. Like, everything in our society is pushing you towards comfort. And they start that at a young age, right? Because if the narrative of school isn't get good grades so you can get a good job so you can be happy, I don't know what the narrative of school is, right? And so actually, this, like, this idea of comfort, and it cripples us from going, no, I'm going to give of myself to someone else today. I'm not going to meet these targets or hit this level. No, I'm going I'm to give of my finances or my time today in a way that's going to hurt. It's going to have an impact on me by me making this decision to show love to someone today, to, to show the kingdom the presence of God today. We've got we've to get uncomfortable and we've got to be okay with being uncomfortable because it's in that place that the love of God gets displayed and things change rapidly. Like, it changes quick when this kind of love is displayed. And I believe, Gateway, that, that God is calling us into more of this. I believe there's so much more of this that he wants to give us. To the people around us, he wants us to show that love in such a deeper way. It's not for individuals. If only one or two grasp this, it's not going to have the impact that God wants of us. But if we as a community can grasp this, that power works through giving of ourselves to others, 
then we will see Ashford and the communities around us change. And we know it can already happen, right? It's not like we're the first ones doing this. It's not like we're the first disciples that are like, oh, wow, it works. Like, we've got history to show that it does. And that, you know, that's, again, it can happen in a myriad of ways. It's, it's reaching out to the poor and to the needy and to the lonely. And I think a challenge for some of us, because of the situations that we find ourselves in and being comfortable, do we know anyone that's poor? Do we know anyone that's needy? Like, genuinely, like, we need to ask that of ourselves. And if we don't, we need to pray that God would show us people that are. And not just so that we can help them as a handout, because we want to befriend them. And we want to be part of their lives. And we want to be in the mess, even though it's going to make us uncomfortable, even though we might not understand where they come from. We need to be present in their lives. To go to people who are just brokenhearted and hurting. Because let's be honest, supporting people that are really broken and really hurting is really tiring. Right? Like it takes something. It takes a devotion. It takes a sacrifice. It takes us giving of ourselves to love people that are really hurting and really broken. To step into those situations. To step towards our neighbours, our colleagues, the people in school around us. And just as I was preparing as well, like there was just this sense that I felt, and I think it's, I feel like it's a prophetic thing. Is I just feel like the idea of fostering children is something that God has put on some people's hearts here. And I feel like God is saying that it's, you need to explore it. That you, you, you've kind of had that idea, you know you have the means, but kind of you, you, you've been a bit worried about the impact it's going to have on your life, on the life of your kids maybe, the impact it's going to have on your finances, or what that will look like. And I just feel like God is saying actually, f- fostering may be a way that God wants you to demonstrate the self-devotion, the self-sacrifice of Jesus um, in your life. So if that is you, please do consider that. Grab someone, pray about that um, this morning. Just, and finally, just an appeal to, to those of us in this room who are parents. And when I say parents, I don't just mean parents of very small children who've got all of the, the growing up to do. But, and grandparents, actually. Anyone with influence over children. Like, if we can get a vision of this power and this impact in children's lives, in young people's lives, then it will completely transform the way they see the world and it will transform the way that they look at society. And if we're, if we're not showing, if we're not demonstrating that this is what power looks like and this is how Jesus changes the world, then they will be being discipled in the other way of doing it with the big knife. Right? And so actually just for all of us, and like I'm a parent, I find this is a challenge, I'm not, I'm not, I've not got this right, but just the sense that actually we need to be intentional in how we're, we're raising children and young people up to, to know that this is where the power is. This is where the experience is. This is where the life is in Jesus' kingdom. And so just as we finish, um, I'm just going to pray. Um, I just feel like it's kind of hit a somber note kind of as we finished. And um, I just... I just I'm going to pray that God would just help us to see the joy that this is in. Um, Because I feel like when you start doing this, oh man, is it fun. Like it's just, and and fun is the right word. 
you know, I've, I've had the privilege of sitting with, with homeless people, with Hannah, um, kind of when we've been out on like work dues, um, like with Hannah's work and stuff, and with the, you know, everyone else is going into town, and we've, we've had the privilege of sitting with some homeless people and, and chatting with them and sharing Jesus and giving them money for the train home. And it, oh, Matt, it's just fun to just see God working and God opening things and people's spirits being lifted. And, and you're starting to see that there's an, like, you're like, oh, this is where Jesus is at. Oh, God, this is where you hang out. You hang out with these people. You hang out in these spaces. And I want to be in those spaces because it's where you are. It's where you're working. I don't, I don't want to be comfortable and sitting and outside of, outside of what you're doing. I want to be where you're at. I want to be where the mess is. I want to be where the need is because that's where your kingdom is. And so I'm just going just gonna to pray for us this morning. Lord, Father, I, just, I thank you so much for your power and the power that won victory on the cross. Lord Jesus, that, that, <laughs> that though you are God, you did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but you humbled yourself and became obedient to death. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you have shown us what this is like, and I thank you that you have already changed our world with this power. Lord, would you help us to, to, to live in your power? And God, would you reveal to us the joy of living in the power of, that you bring, in the hope of, that you bring through this kind of love? And God, would you help us to be uncomfortable? Lord, help us to get uncomfortable, to move towards difficult, messy situations, to maybe not have the, the dream life that we've been sold by our culture, but Lord, instead to be living the life that you have won for us in Jesus. And Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.